welcome all. Thanks for joining us again for Bits and Books. I'm Marnie Stockman. Um, so previously on Bits and Books, this is episode two now, uh, we read the first half of Pat Patrick Lencioni's Getting Naked. Um, and many of our friends that are on right now were here last time. So Ray Orsini and Jason Slagle and Chris Dix and Lisa Papp um, were on last time. And we have us joining today, Brian Kelly. So Brian, want to say hey and introduce yourself? Yeah, excited to be here. Um, I've been active, I guess, in the MSP, you know, ConnectWise community for about 10 years. Uh, started as an engineer and, you know, started doing service leadership. And I love these conversations. So thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we are excited to have you here. So last time we talked through the first half of the book, um, which is which is sort of a fable, a story about how um, how a, a consultant had to go into another consulting org because they'd acquired them and learn what they didn't know about one part of their competition. Uh, a piece of that um, was everybody kind of took away homework from what they learned of that. So I'm going to, I, I was a high school teacher, so I'm going to ask everybody how they did on their homework. This is the accountability portion of, the, <laughs> of bits and books. Um, yeah, Jason's like, what did I say I was going to do for homework? So I'm going to remind you what your homework was and see how we did. So, Chris, you had said you're kind of in startup mode. And one of the things we talked about last time was the notion of bad revenue. So last time we talked about in the book, um, the, the, cons one, the, the rising star consultant group was talking about the fact that they didn't accept bad revenue. They weren't going to take any client. They weren't just looking for money for the sake of looking for money. So Chris, you said you really wanted to reflect on that idea of bad revenue and look at your clients to see is, is this something that's happening to me? So, so did you do your homework and, uh, or are you making it up on the spot? Uh, no, I, I did do my homework, although I appreciate the reminder because um, <laughs> I needed it. Um, no, but I, I have really tried to, to take that into account, take it to heart, looking at new people that I've, you know, new customers that have showed up over the last few weeks, um, as well as one particular existing customer who I think is trying to take things in a direction that doesn't make sense for me, for the product. Um, so I'm trying to have a gentle goodbye with with that particular customer but uh um but it's really helped me i think to start to focus on what my ideal target customer is and i'm pretty sure that that's smaller shops than i thought it was before um that that those are really a, a good fit and 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 helping out so uh yeah um it's something i'm gonna have to keep in mind because it's it's a struggle and i know we're going to talk about some of some of that side of it today so for sure. Um, well, and it's interesting, you know, they, they talk about having a focus and the same folks who maybe are bad revenue can pull you from your focus, which can distract, which is a threat, especially in the IT world where any new thing looks like an exciting new possibility, right? Oh, and I'm so, I'm so susceptible to that new shiny <laughs> thing. I, I really have to fight. No that one all else the time. on this call has that problem at oh, all. Oh, never. The I'm only sure. one in the community that has a bright, shiny object syndrome. <laughs> what? Um, I was busy. I was distracted by something shiny. <laughs> <laughs> so, so because of that, I'm going to remind you of your homework in case you forgot. So previously you were chatting about your new merger um, and you said you were really diving into billing questions yep. and thinking about value over profit. Um, yep. so oh, yes. Yeah. So, so sounds like that homework's ringing a bell then. 
It is. Uh, we had a huge, so we had our leadership quarterly yesterday and had like an hour long conversation about the why, the why all of us do this. And uh, uh, it really resonated, you know, to hear everyone's whys. Our, our leadership team is pretty well aligned with it. Uh, and the conversation then turned to how do we get our employees to understand our whys, right? Because part of my why is this, right? Like it's, uh, uh, the MSP being successful allows me to be relevant in a wider scale and allows us as a company to, you know, expand outside of just the local clients we serve. And I think that's lost on our employees sometimes. Uh, um, I went to um, a sales kickoff, annual kickoff for an MSP in Florida, and they had everyone in the room go around and say their why, right? All the employees in the room say their why. And then he put up slides of their clients' whys. Um, and their whole story is, right, we take care of the technology so you can take care of your why, basically, right? And it was really interesting to show. He put up one, one of his slides was a letter from a woman, um, a matriarch of a family that owned, I believe it was a country club, who her husband had passed away and this company took care of creating the memorial slide deck for him. And she said, like, that's not your job, but you took care of us in a different way so I could take care of my family. And I've always felt like I get the support from this company. So I think the, the why is important and interesting, uh, which is interesting that you picked to talk about the why, because Lisa said that her homework would be to take time to talk about her why. So, so did, Jason <laughs> do, did you cheat and do, did Jason do your homework for you or did you also do your homework? <laughs> I did my homework. Um, my why of what I do started when I was very young, and that is my dad. He took me into a NCR data center, and I couldn't stay home because I would get in enough trouble, but I was too young. And it just took me forever and a day to figure out my path. I did go to college, and um, I was torn to either go into medical, my mom, or go into computer science, my dad. Well, I chose both. Um, I actually was on my fifth programming language and said, that's it. I've had enough. I'm not going to be sitting behind this box for eight, eight, 10, 12 hours a day like my dad did. So I went and played. I went into sports medicine, graduated, never used the degrees, went off and did my own thing. And um, three years before I got separated from a multi-billion dollar company, 2.30 in the morning on a Saturday and couldn't get to sleep. So I designed a business card and I threw it in my desk and went on my, you know, went on my happy way. And three years after that, I started CSN because that company separated me. And lo and behold, as I was cleaning out my desk, that business card was in the back and I pulled it out. And guess what the name of the business was? CSN. <laughs> and I go, okay, just like usual, I'm always ahead of my time. Yeah. And um, when I pulled my car and it gets to my dad because he restored classic vehicles and when I pulled my car in because I did do maintenance on my Honda I was standing in front of my door and he goes Lisa where's the oil and stuff it's all right so I stepped away and he goes you're working for a computer company I said dad here's my business card I'm the owner of the computer company and thank you for showing me that light my why started then because I wanted to be able to service small medium-sized businesses with the same quality of tools that the enterprise got because I knew that they were more susceptible. So my dad was my why. He passed away June 8th of this year. 
as I held his hand and he took his last breath. And I said, Dad, thank you for giving me that light. Bye. And I carry it today. My business is 11 years. And when I read this book, I go, I'm doing this. I'm not a salesperson. And truthfully, I'm not. I'm a consultant because I'm going in and saying, what are you doing? I'm asking those questions. I'm getting to know each client because of their business, their personality. Because nine times out of a 10, what they do is why they have issues. What they do is why they're in trouble and they can't focus on their business. And that's why they need me. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can help them deliver their outcomes with technology, right, you're just, you're supporting their why all along the way. And it's interesting because you, you kind of ended that with hearing the stories of your clients, which is a bit how this book was written, right? It starts as a story. So kind of the first thing I wanted to talk about, although A plus on everybody for doing your homework. So well (laughs) done. Everybody watching on YouTube is like, okay, she's not as bad a grader as I thought. (laughs) Yeah, what a beautiful yeah, wire. Maybe right? I will join live. I love that. Um, so, so the beginning of the book was written as a fable. There are quite a few of those out in the world. Um, I think the five dysfunctions of a team, the 5am club, uh, raving fans, etc. Super curious. And Brian, I'm going to start with you because you're the one that reminded me of it. What everyone thinks of that format of a fable in a grown-up business book? (laughs) I struggle with the format quite a bit. Um, For me, you know, I'm so used to, I want the sources, I want the facts, I want the data. So when I read that and I I kind of go through that experience, it seems a little bit like a made-up experience, even when it resonates. And so I worry, is it confirmation bias? Of course I agree because I've had that experience. So for me, it kind of ties into having having a reading group like this. It's super helpful for me to reflect on whatever fable that's being shared, whatever point is trying to be made with others that also have similar experiences. So it's for me, it kind of validates it. I have to get over that confirmation bias to, to really get something out of the material. I, I almost forgot. So Ray, your homework was crunchy versus creamy peanut butter. So I'm curious how your day is feeling. Are you a creamy or, or crunchy peanut butter kind of day today? I'm, I'm struggling with this because uh, I'm definitely a crunchy peanut butter kind of guy. Um, and in making, you know, in making my uh, Ninja Creamy recipes, like that's what I'd like to use. But uh, as Jason knows, in the fitness world, the weight loss world, there's PB Fit and pb fit is only creamy or powder um to which yes i've gone to great lengths to actually make it crunchy by adding some crushed peanuts of my own <laughs> yeah, <it sounds> like- <laughs> because <laughs> i'm that kind of special i'm just yeah. <laughs> I got a level um so how do you feel about fables i love fables i absolutely adore them um one of my favorite uh not business books but one of my favorite um buddhism books the Tao of uh, of Pooh and the Day of Piglet um, are also fables uh, using A. A. Milne's characters. Um, And whether it's, uh, was it Traction that was also uh, fable-based? Ish. Ish, right? Um, And uh, Go-Giver is also around. Emith, I think, has some fable parts in it. Yeah, I I love those kinds of stories because they make them more relatable you know, and I'm sure you could take this from the from the classroom, right? It, it's very different talking about history that occurred as versus talking about stories in history. Oh my uh, goodness, I would have liked history a lot more if my history teachers gave me some. 
Yeah, math doesn't seem to get the same love when you do uh, stories around it, like Train uh, A leaves surprised. Ohio right. from. <laughs> train, train doesn't leave Chicago. Yeah, train yeah. doesn't leave Chicago. That's exactly right. Nice, but I'm bumch. <laughs> Chris, how do you feel about the fable? Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I I don't read a lot of business books. This is one of the first I've ever actually oh, so read. Oh, you know, um, this is how they all roll. Yeah. So I, I just um, so I I kind of liked it. I mean, in the sense that you know, I'm used to reading mostly other kinds of books, fiction, you know, or technical stuff, and this was some sort of weird mashup of the oh, two okay. that I was, you know, yeah. it, it was a good introduction for me, I think, to to the concept. Um, I enjoyed the first part of it, um, but I. I I, I wouldn't have wanted it to not have, you know, the follow up with you know, actually reviewing everything. So, um, so I don't know. I, I, it's a, it's a learning experience for me. I'm, I'm going to be interested in seeing how it compares with the next ones we read. So, so it's interesting. I find um, so I like Malcolm Gladwell and Jim Collins, and a lot of those books are really dense because it is content, content, content. Um, and so I can only read like I can't just read it casually, right? I have to. I always have a pencil anyway, and I'm scribbling in my notes. Here's the, you know, these are my pages of notes in the getting naked. Um, but it's easier for me to listen and walk, um, you know, on a, a fable type because the story lets you walk away with a big idea without having gotten bogged down in the minutia of every little um, conversation. That said, Jason Slagle, I did listen to Raving Fans, which I know you said is on your list. And honest to goodness, the reader, I thought it was Elmer Fudd reading me the story. <laughs> it was the first fable that I'd ever read. And I was like, is this some kind of joke? Am I supposed to? But I end up like, I recommend that book all the time. So, so you read this when you're in on raving fans. In general, you like the fables? Yeah, I, uh, if done well, I've read a couple and I was trying to think of the, a couple that I was, had listened to or read because I do a mix uh, that just it hit flat for me. Uh, yeah. I think my present favorite is still Phoenix Project, uh, which even if you're not doing DevOps stuff, if you're in IT support, you should read or listen to the the Phoenix Projects because it is a very good fable that talks a lot about our fallacies about Mythical Man Month and all the other things that go along with IT support that people tend to knee jerk react. I just, I will, I will have to judge being way outside of DevOps. <laughs> it's, it's still a good story. No, it's, yeah. a, it's a great story for even just yeah. problem solving, like even just, you know, yep. logic breakdown, which is why I, I love the book so much. Now, logic, I'm all about problem solving in that. And Lisa, how about you? Fables, yay or nay? I, I am for fables. Um, I find that that's the best way of learning it, you you hit the nail on the head when you said when it has something it, it, it carries you forward and we read enough technical whether it's newsletters whether whatever it is we read a knowledge-based article all, all <laughs> kinds of stuff and i feel that as a as a person who has a learning disability especially when it's put in a format like this it sticks it adds value and that's the one thing I got. When I was finishing this book, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on the right path. I am doing something that's unique and different that's going to make CSN and myself stand out. And it makes all the sense because I don't like to be sold to. Give yeah. me the story. Learn about me before you start throwing numbers and stuff. And, and I, in fact, called a client. This is one thing. I called a client last night and I said, can I come back and redo my initial interview? with you and he goes why and I said I just have something I'm missing and he goes 
sure. He says, but I'm not going to do it tomorrow because it's Friday and we are, we're closed. I said, fine, pick a day. And I'm coming back next week. And, and I said, can you please have these two people in the room? And I'm going to try this on him. And I think this is going to close the, it actually solidify why I'm better than what he already has. And he's an IT person on top of it. Oh, I think that's fantastic. Well, I'll be curious. Uh, you can side note do your homework for next time on that one. (laughs) So we mentioned the fable piece, the first 150 pages of the book were fable, but it takes what, like 60 minutes to read. Maybe I really did read it on a walk. Now I take long walks, but I had read the first portion. And then the second portion, he sort of goes into specifics about the learning that he had done in the fable part of it. So there are three Um, So in the chat, for folks that can't see this chat, Jason's put, I think, Atomic Habits and Checklist Manifesto are examples of where fable is better. Checklist Manifesto, for sure. I've read that one. And I'm trying to picture what that would be. If not, it would actually be a checklist on a checklist. It'd be like a page and a half, like take 10 notes on what you need to do. Done. And then you will get the why behind it or the meat behind why it's impactful. So I think, uh, I think you're very right about that. Um, so the second half of getting naked is about the three fears of kind of when he boiled down what the consultants were really doing. And one of the reasons we picked this book first for the MSPs is because, like Lisa said, you really are consultants, right? MSPs really are business consultants um, using technology as the tool to help solve problems. So it was interesting to watch a business consultant who was not an IT um, provider in the book talk about the three fears that he concluded. So they were, um, don't be afraid of losing business, don't be afraid of being embarrassed, and don't be afraid of feeling inferior. So Chris, I wanted to start with you and ask you to give your take on the fear of losing business piece. Yeah, uh, that was probably the part that hit home for me the most with with the three fears is uh, having been, I I spent most of my career as a consultant, um, you know, like a a software developing consultant. Uh, So coming into an organization and trying to um, sell myself and and services. And uh, um, it's, it's a challenge to, you know, not uh, not be afraid, especially when you're starting out, you know, when you, when you're, you know, you don't have six figures sitting in a bank somewhere and you're just trying to, to land that first class. Yeah. Hungry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, so, so you're willing to do pretty much anything to get the business, but that's, you know, different than, um, than the fear issue. Like fear is not a bad thing. And that was one of the things I thought about as I was reading the book, like fear can be healthy, but acting on fear is, is, is where the problems come in. Like to not let that fear make you make the wrong decisions, you know, short-sighted, you know, thinking about short-term revenue versus, you know, how am I really going to help this, this customer, this client and, and make a long-term relationship. Um, and part of that was, uh, I think the book did a, uh, a good job talking about giving away the business, you know, like, and and thinking about uh, ideas, like ideas are cheap, right? Like, you know, to to come in and say, oh, you know, look at the problems and, and talk to them about it. And, and it's the execution of those ideas that I think somebody in a consulting role or or an organization, MSP, that's where the real value is, is is not in, in coming up with this you know, five minute solution. If, if, if that's all they needed, then then fine, that, that they You've given you them what they needed. Probably weren't going to sell them a big managed service contract anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's all about the execution. So if you've got an idea and the ability to execute on that idea, then that's where the value 
really comes from. And um, uh, just hearing Lisa's story about her, her father, it, it made me think about it. I, I spent some time recently home, uh, hadn't been home in years, and spent some time this past weekend with with my family, my father. And uh, uh, he's one of the things I most respect about him is he sort of lives fearlessly you know like just just uh, it, for better or for worse um you know he's, he's a bit of a character but uh um but but i really admire that about him because because it it doesn't hold him back in certain situations that that it's always kind of held me back and so i try i'm, I'm especially after hearing your story i'm going to try to uh <laughs> live more fearlessly like my father does um for better what or for worse that would that you're holding back from doing if you are like what does it look like to be fearful of losing the business what's what's happening differently in a business anybody that has thoughts on that i think when you're a fear of losing the business is your reputation because that one person that you lose the business whether it's because of a uh, not working or it's just opposites don't attract that that's what they say because we always in our minds we think well if we do a good job that person knows five other people and that knows 10 other you know grows but it's the reverse reaction is that if we don't do a good job they're going to tell five people and you see that they i think that's where we think of first thought is our reputation it's not really the bank account <clears throat> excuse me bank account as much it's our reputation I think Warren Buffett said it takes 20 years to make a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. And if you think about that, you'll do things a little differently. Not maybe. You <laughs> live there. Jason's like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, yes and no, right? Like, you, you would think with all these cyber incidents we've seen recently, companies like SolarWinds would just be gone, right? Like, so it, it it's, I would challenge people to realize that the reputational damage people are going to be really loud and grumpy at first, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if they feel like you've slighted them, but that fades really quick. And the, the long evidence on wall street over and over again is, is shown that that reputational damage is pretty hard to actually make permanent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, how many of these are people like how many times can we nail down and say, because I screwed up, my reputation was harmed this way and I actually lost this specific business because of it. Um, I've yet to see an, act an actual factual explanation or, or example of that. Um, to me, it's much more, and don't get me wrong, Jason will tell you, we, we've had some hiccups over the last couple months. Um, it's more about letting down our, you know, the people that, that are your clients or partners or whatever, however you call them, um, letting down your staff. That's far more deleterious in my opinion than any cause any harm to reputation um just the fact that comcast still stands today um lets you know reputation really doesn't do or GoDaddy, um it doesn't have the same impact um it does for those people you've let down 100 percent. but as far as the business impact i I'm, I'm with jason i see too many of these i mean we still get reddit posts every week of should i still use LastPass? Right. I mean, you'd think after seven issues in, in 10 months, that would probably be a no, but people still do. Um, so it, uh, I would qualify it. You know what I mean? I'm not saying anybody wants to tank their reputation without question. Of course not. But um, I would qualify it in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and 
you're probably trying to avoid whatever led to that. Um, and that is important. Uh, the reputation is just a byproduct. Um, so, but I, I agree still don't do, my daughter told me best when uh, she was growing up, she said, don't do anything that you're going to have to apologize for later. Oh, uh, my dad's growing up my, like he raised me on don't be sorry, be right. Yeah. Say, yeah. if you don't, if you don't do anything wrong, you're not ever going to have to apologize. Right. And I would say at the same time, like everybody's going to make mistakes. And uh, as far as reputations go, I've seen it a lot lately and having conversations with MSPs that um, owning your mistakes yeah. and, and working to make them right, you know, is, is an important part of of your reputation and how, you know, how you handle the mistakes you make and and own it and and try to work to fix it, I think, uh, goes a long way. What was the uh, the no, the line from Nolan's Batman? It's not the mistakes we make. Uh, it's not that we fall. It's how we get up. Um, yeah, yeah. very much. And tying back to the the fear piece, the examples we used where it's easier to bounce back are organizations that had they have a, a scale that gives them some security. And one of the things in the MSP space, it's it's not quite this simple, but a lot of the decisions are not being made from a place of that security and that scale. So right or wrong, I, I think it applies just like Jason and Ray were talking about, but it's not necessarily so secure of a position. Even a, a large MSP, you know, except for what the top 3%, top 5% are still small organizations with a, with a, you know, client base. They should not necessarily have those fears, but it's easier to go to that fear place when you're thinking yeah. about the reputation. One of the things that I thought about with fear of losing business is when I was first a customer success manager in an ed tech company, I had a $1.4 million contract client. And they, I know that because they reminded me of it every single time I met with them. Right. And it was, we pay $1.4 million. So it should do this. We pay $1.4 million. So it should do this. That's not obnoxious. At one point I grabbed the, the person that reported to the budget owner. And I said, do you want me to have this conversation with her or do you want to, because you paid $1.4 million for this product and she keeps dreaming of what else it should be. And you haven't even used what it can do. So you are becoming a distraction for us. And I need you to concentrate on the fact that why don't we use all $1.4 million of it before you telling me what else? And it's not like things were broken, right? And um, for sure, he went and had the conversation because I think you know I would, but um, <laughs> he had it with her and I never again heard that. And the focus changed to let's focus on maximizing what we have. But prior, believe me, that was my first job as a customer success manager. And it was our company's second largest account. So there was fear in me losing the job. But at the same point, we recognized it was becoming a distraction for the company. And that was, you know, going to be a bigger risk type of thing. So, so we had to kind of put that fear of losing them aside. Um, the next question is fear of being embarrassed. That's almost, to me, it's almost worse than losing a client. Like I can, <laughs> I can deflect the like fear of losing business, but being embarrassed, that one mortifies me. So what does yeah, everybody think same. of that one? Yeah, I, I, I tell my staff all the time, like I work really hard not to be wrong in most situations. So having to apologize for stuff like drives me nuts, especially when it wasn't me, but I'm ultimately responsible. Um, but yeah, it's that, that fear of 
being wrong and uh, yeah the, that worries me more in than the anything. book he talked a lot about um like asking stupid questions was kind of a key to that like how do, how do you feel about about that I love asking stupid questions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just posted about this the other day, so I know how he feels about it. Yeah, I, I'm all in on that. I mean, to me, you know, I okay. So we go through this with staff onboarding, right? Like, much like you, I can imagine the people you hired at Lifecycle Insights had never worked at Lifecycle Insights or a QBR company before, right? Um, sorry, I know QBR is a triggering word for all of us, but um, <laughs> but. You know, so it's very much with VoIP, right? We'll hire people that were not in this industry to begin with. And I, one of the first things I tell them on day one is you will hear a lot of acronyms. You will hear a lot of things that people will talk to you like you should know because you work here. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I'd rather hear, I don't know, can you explain that a little better than assume you, then you assume you know what I'm talking about, take it back to somebody else, parrot what they said, and then sound ridiculous to the next person. Then you got to go back and say, uh can you explain this because we really didn't understand it that's yeah. far worse to me than just saying i don't know please explain this to me or tell me how you what that means to you or how this impacts you ask exploring questions it's fine um i perfectly am happy to embrace being dumb the day i know everything <laughs> like i'm done in this world like the day I know everything, that's right no goal yeah so they also recommended um yeah, making dumb suggestions and sometimes so if any of you are ted lasso fans he said i should never bring an umbrella to a brainstorm right <laughs> so, uh, which is a favorite uh, i had one boss who would he would just put his hand up and his philosophy was like flags up he would say that and if the flag was up no stupid ideas right so you actually encourage it's kind of like a bracketing conversation yeah. when my husband will say don't worry the new tractor i want isn't a hundred thousand dollars like, that's just his idea of when he's 40 that i'm not gonna balk i was like no 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 don't go bracketing me so sometimes throwing dumb suggestions out there opens the brain right to to other ideas so i think that's a bit of what like don't be embarrassed because you may in fact you can't solve the problem with the same brain that created it so how can asking some unique questions maybe well, open? I, I think to a lot of business and a lot of marketing comes down to take your ego out of it right like if you feel it's one thing to try to always be right and that you think you're doing the right thing you think you've gathered enough information you're making intelligent educated choices that doesn't mean you always have to be right with other people i would rather the get the right outcome for whatever situation we're in um so you have to be open to whatever you think is right is still possibly wrong um and trust me, as probably, I don't know, this group, we have a lot of loud mouths, but, you know, so I won't take the uh, title there. But as somebody who's constantly uh, very vocal and st speaking strongly on on their on my own opinions, um, it doesn't change that I know I could be wrong and I need to hear somebody else's. And honestly, I invite it when somebody else yep. says something I may not have found. I think that's great. Um, I I love debate, right? So like we we do the idea Thunderdome where everyone comes to a 
like with their idea and we we debate the merits of them and uh i expect everyone to feel strongly enough about their idea that they're willing to defend it right like and they're willing to go to bat for it because if you don't believe in it that strongly then you're not confident in it right and and it's just going to get mowed over quickly but that comes with the fact that not everyone in that room is going to be right right so like you've come with your best idea and you're willing to defend it and you're just flat out wrong so you have to quickly get over the eh, whatever like it's just okay i uh so, faced with this new information the answer is different than the answer i previously gave there's nothing embarrassing about that so let me ask something there because that's actually something um i had this exact conversation today with somebody um talking about that's my thing like uh and especially it was around word usage right like i will have a conversation with somebody I feel that we should have a good argument for each side, you know, or a good conversation each side arguing their points. Now, if I say argue, Marnie will, and probably Jason will say, yeah, the dictionary definition, absolutely correct word usage. Yeah. The inference or the connotation most people on the other side will get is we're arguing, we're being combative. Combative, uh, that's exactly yeah. Yes, and, and so, and it goes very much like, I feel the same way as Jason is, I think long and hard about my, about the, things that uh, the decisions I make before I make the decisions. Um, one of my favorite sayings is from Oppenheimer, genius sees the answer before the question. It's not about, you know, being clairvoyant. It's about preparation. It's about examining all possible uh, sides. And so I expect the other person to be able to defend their side mm -hmm. graciously as well. Now, when I say defend and side, you have the same problem you have with argument in that now they feel that they have to be on the defensive and not every personality type is going to be. Yeah vocal about those things they're gonna be like yeah. well i'm not willing to bat go to bat for any one thing period i'm just not going to have the conversation because they yeah. feel they're just keeping the status quo um so you got to be careful with that <laughs> you do yeah so unsurprisingly on the disc model i am a heavy d yeah. right like yeah. so uh with a, a mild c and a little bit of an i right so like unsurprisingly there uh i struggle with s's and i's because uh they have they struggle with that skill yeah, same. I put in the chat a book. It's called Think Again by Adam Grant. So this is what I think about Think Again. First, I listened to it in audio, and then I had to buy the darn thing in paper in hardback because I liked it so much. I wanted to read it again, buy it again, and take notes on it. But it really, I think Jason really gives some strategies about how to help for the S and I's, right? When Because uh -huh. like I know 100% that I could come to you and you would give me blatantly honest feedback. And if I hated it, we'd still be friends yeah. at the end, right? Yeah. Because that's who you are. So I love having people that I know I trust to give me honest feedback because I don't need people blowing smoke. Yeah. Um, this book also has some great strategies for how to not make it combative. And then the other piece is how sometimes if you can start closer to them, you can actually bring them further um, in viewpoints. So this may sound bizarre, but I babysat a ton. That probably doesn't sound bizarre. But when a baby would start screaming and I couldn't figure out why, I would cry back with it. like, <laughs> And it would kind of look confused. And then yeah. I'd like start whining less like wah, wah, until we kind of were talking and like, all right, now that we've calmed this thing down, 
Was it a diaper <laughs> or food, right? Like, so anyway, think again, reminds me. Yes, I suspect that I am. I haven't taken the disc. I've done a lot of Myers-Briggs and the other ones, but I've had more than one person tell me that I'm I and C. Yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I've done the meowing back to cats, but that was more from a, it's a fun time to see their confusion. Uh, that is a de-escalation technique. So I, I will try that with humans. That sounds really good. <laughs> Well, I, I bet you have tried this, and I'll be curious for those of you who answer support tickets. When people come in a support ticket, they're coming in hot with a problem. And the wrong answer is like, you don't really have a problem. It's not a big deal. Like that makes them insane oh, unless yeah. you de-escalate them. So if you can come back with that's a that must feel horrible. I'm so sorry you're feel like that. I get that. That doesn't feel good at all. I hope I can help. Then they're like, okay, they've acknowledged that I'm allowed to be hot about this. So Lisa, do you have thoughts on like, you come in hot right back at them with them, not against them? Well, it took me a long time <laughs> to understand that it's easier to use sugar than vinegar. So um, kind of this, uh, when I get, client hot on the phone a lot of times it's that's in when i get an email it's all in translation so i actually call the client and say okay what's going you know i got your email and then they just start and i just let it go just let it go and then i'm the calm i'm the calm one i'm gonna be that i'm gonna try and take that rip current out i'm gonna be the calmness okay and then and i go it, it, it's not to antagonize them, but it's it's asking those questions. Okay, well, the typical one is, "What have you I been doing?" Yeah. Okay. No, I don't even. I just go, "What have you been doing?" Let me log in. Let me take a look. Show me. Okay, and I say, "Oh, I see you're working on this." You know, it's not a distraction. Again, asking questions. I'm asking, and. When I get to a certain point and say, "Okay, I believe I see what you're doing," you know what? Why don't you why don't you take take a coffee break? Go go take a you know. You have you have something else to work on? And it, it notoriously, like, well, yes. All right, well, go and let me work on this. Let us work on this. I'm the calm one, and yeah. even when I have a client, just blast, 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 blast. It, it's behind the screen. Yeah, I'm getting aggravated. Yeah, I'm going to get, I'm about ready. I'm going to come through. But <laughs> I find that when I'm the calm one, they calm down. And then when they calm down, then their brain cells open up and go, how the hell? Oh, man, Lisa, I'm sorry. I just bothered you for five minutes. That was so stupid. I said, you know what? Well, you I do that all the time. Right? You <laughs> yeah. listened and de-escalated it by yeah. the listening. You didn't come back at them at like, right. No, that's you're right. right. I'm, I'm sure you've done something stupid. <laughs> I was thinking like, that's not the way. And I'll, yeah, and I'll observe it. I say, you know, I've done the same thing. I, I oh. sit behind screens. I have, you know, I'll get click happy too. And I'll be like, okay. But so there's one thing you can always do. You can give me a call. Stop what you're doing. Give me a call and we'll work it out. I said, at least it's not smoking. So <laughs> I wouldn't tell yeah. you to pull yeah. the plug. When <laughs> no. it starts smoking, pull the plug. Get the yeah. fire extinguisher, then give me a call. <laughs> so, so the it's interesting um, because when they're calling, they're calling you as the expert because they're having a problem with technology. And the third fear that Patrick Gonzalez talked about was the feel of feeling inferior. And I don't think anyone in the IT space feels inferior 
about the technology conversation, but I often feel um, in those QBRs uh, or in prospect meetings that if you're going to a lawyer, a dentist, a you know, a, a manufacturer, whatever, that there could be some feelings of inferiority um, because they're experts in their field. And and Patrick Lencioni encourages you to not be afraid of feeling inferior. Um, and my initial take on that is like, well, I want my lawyer to be a better at law than I am. So <laughs> like, I, 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 sh I should be okay with that. But what was your take on that section of the book? So it's funny because uh, the way that related to me, uh, or I related to that situation, um, uh, was more about the imposter syndrome side. Um, mm -hmm. so <laughs> I'm in a very, I'm fortunate enough to be in a very great group of uh, peers and friends, uh, many of you included, that are literally experts at what they do. Like there is no question, it's publicly accepted expertise in certain areas. Yeah. So yeah. this is not like, I think they're good. This is like yeah. the world accepts yeah. that they're good, yeah. right? Like, you know, with the exception of certain CEOs of certain uh, antivirus companies, not many would argue security against Jason Slagle, right? Uh, client success against Marnie. Um, so, you know, that's kind of my point. So like, you know, I have all these people that are, you know, at the apex of, of their careers, as far as, you know, their position in that expertise. And so it's not very different from going to a potential client or going to a client that's also ideally, you know, you want the high performers, you want the rock stars, you want the ones that are going to generate a lot of revenue to have you around for a long time. Um, so I completely get that whole I belong at the kitty table right now. I'm at the adults table. Um, I go through that all the time, uh, regularly, but I will tell you, it doesn't hurt to, I'll pull from Gray's anatomy. Uh, feel free to pull my man card if you want, but I'm, I'm a great fanatic, uh, Gray's fanatic. Um, but one of the characters talks about before she would go into an operating room, she'd do her superhero pose. And it was just to get her worked up a little bit. Like I'm also, you know, the shit I'm also pretty badass. I deserve to be here. Um, and I think we all need to do that every once in a while to deserve we to know to recognize that we also deserve a seat at that table. Um, and to them, they might see us as that and you want them to see you as that. Because like Marnie said, you want the other side to see you as a as somebody who knows what they're talking about is the best at their thing. Um, but you're also the best at your thing. And don't forget that. Yeah, I, I don't do a superhero pose, even though I have the t-shirts and cape for it over there. But I, but I, I do have like a like a little you know intro music type thing. Like I'll, oh I'll listen God. to you know like a like you know play a little yes. short playlist. Walk on music, some back and black. Yes, yes, yes. It, it, it's 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 a whole mix, man. It's a yeah. You got somebody. You got to have something like that, right? You yeah. got to have your whatever it is that gets you very good. Definitely. I am in my happiest place when I am the dumbest guy in the room because it means I'm learning the most. It's uh, actually going back to that. Do you remember it was IT Nation 2018 or 2019? I think it was 2018. And it's you, Matt Clark, uh, the original founders of Huntress. Mm -hmm. Chris, Chris um, John, Kyle. Yeah. Kyle. John, John, yeah. And so they're there. And we had a few other people with us. But you were geeking out with Chris or John about like, JTagging and Pokemon Go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I was I, like, I understood individual words, but how they fit in the context, I was lost. Yeah. <clears throat> and we're drinking at the time because this is at the bar because that's what you do at a bar, right? Um, and so, but I remember just watching the conversation and being just enthralled in it. 
mostly because I had no idea what the hell they were. I knew what they were talking about. I just didn't have those experiences. And it was great to sit there and listen and be like, cool, I'm exposed to this new thing. I love it. Nice. I, I genuinely seek out those opportunities. Um, like this book club, right? <laughs> Seeing what you guys, your takeaways on these books. Uh, you know, I enjoy that very much. Um, so, yeah. Semi-retirement, I uh, I went and got Tableau and SQL certified because I was like, I need to get a little more of this language. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm doing uh, I'm I, I'm doing a lot of a lot of my hobbies are exactly that. I just started pilot school with a buddy, and then also with another buddy, we're doing Duolingo um, and learning Italian and like lots of stuff like that. But and even that, I get competitive. I have to be at the first spot, uh, first place every single week. And well, if you're week. doing Duolingo against in Japan, you better watch in Japanese. My yes. son to get you. So. <laughs> As I'm getting higher and higher, like I'm realizing there are other people that do exactly the same thing and yeah. looking at their strategies is not, it's kind of crazy, uh, but I love that. I love anywhere that I don't feel comfortable, right? That's what it ends mm -hmm. up being today. So um, I'd love to hear everybody's sort of one takeaway from this second half of the book before we vote on next month's uh, reading. So does anybody have something that they particularly want to work on or really, I mean, sometimes it's nice to just have the inspirational poster in your office that already said what you believed in this book happened to repeat it. What, uh, what's everybody think? There's some of that. Right. Like the other, the why thing for me is, you know, has been like really going in to evaluate that. But like a lot of what they say to do in the book, we already do. I am trying to ask more dumb questions intentionally, uh, just as a way to check my own understanding. Right. Like to make sure, right. If I ask this really dumb question and I get a different answer than I'm expecting, then clearly there's a disconnect here we need to meet through. Yeah. But I, I, I already believe this book really resonated with me because I really believe in the concepts yeah. behind it already. Yeah. Well, then I would ask, is there anyone on your team that would benefit from it? Because like, if they don't know you, you can yeah. be an intimidating force with the directness. Right. And so if, if someone else read it, would they like say like, all right, you know what? Jason allows himself to ask dumb questions. So I should allow myself to ask dumb questions of Jason, even if I'm going to get a, a, you know, a comment, like I'm not, I'm not going to be afraid of feeling inferior. I'm going to ask the question. It's important. It's one of those things that like we do over here where, you know, I'm, I require everything to happen in a channel in a public channel. I'm, I'm vehemently against DMS, obviously private information, personal stuff, of course, but my, my view is every conversation we have somebody else can learn from we can harken back to it we can you know reference it whatever we need to do and that has a ton of value more so than just writing dms now that does require that you're not afraid to look stupid and it's not that anybody else thinks you look stupid it's just our natural innate human being nature <laughs> means we're if we don't know the we're smart people if we don't know the answer to something it's not because it must be because we're not smart enough then we feel stupid psychology sucks blame young but you know getting past that leads to enrichment for everybody involved and so you kind of have to be we do that today teaching people to not be afraid to ask the quote-unquote dumb questions um but yeah i think this book would probably have we just did radical candor i think this is probably a very next uh uh one we're going to read in-house for definitely yeah. for our managers at least yeah, I had uh, my team was on this red. Uh, they ask you answer. This will probably be next. Yeah. Nice. 
Lisa, anything as a big takeaway on this one, aside from what you kind of already were? <laughs> well, actually, it's interesting because I finished uh, I finished it last night and I was back reading it. And my chiropractor, who happens to be my client, called me and she's just la, 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 la on a couple of things. And I started instituting a little bit of the consulting thing. And I said, you know what? I said, I'll be seeing you on Monday. I have a present for you. And I'm going to be giving her a copy of this because where she's going in her business, she needs to be the consultant. But she is, as they say, that level of intelligence that she always says to me, I'm going to be asking you dumb questions. So I'm going to flip it on her and start asking her, even though I have the medical background, I'm going to start <laughs> asking her dumb questions. Yeah. Um, I don't feel there's ever a dumb question. I learned that lesson at 17 when I went off to college. I graduated of a uh, high school of a class of 16 and my largest class was 12. Uh, my smallest was me. And I stood in an auditorium of my chemistry class one day in the middle of the auditorium of 150 people. And I was jumping up and down to get the teacher's attention at that time. And he turned around and he says, do you have a question? I said, actually I have three, but you got to go back three boards. <laughs> and everybody in the class just looked at me and he just shook his head and I went, okay, but I have, I have these questions because I can get where you're at. I yeah. also had in calculus, when I took calculus one, one, two, and three, I loved my teacher for one and three was the same portion. I did not like the teacher in two because he taught theory. As he says, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. I hate using that. There's a thousand ways to skin a cat, but I there's more, more <laughs> than one way to get from point A to point B. Google's a perfect example of that or ways, whichever one. So that's how I look at it. It's never a dumb question. You're just inquiring. And I, you know, I felt stupid a couple of times, but you know what? I just laugh it off and say, well, it's because I didn't know the answer. Doesn't mean you didn't know the answer. And I'm laughing at Jason's comment. What did that poor cat do? Yeah. So I need to find multiple ways to skin it. That's even like worse. <laughs> um, yeah. For, for me, it's, I think, thinking more about the the fear and trying to live, you know, not to not let that factor into the actions that I'm taking, but also, um, talking about like working with customers talking to people recognizing that when you know when you get that support ticket that's that's somebody's coming in hot and heavy that that's fear on their side you know yeah. like and that and recognizing that and trying to relate and 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 help them through that um by not meeting it with with you know bad energy um so uh, just trying to recognize that yeah fear is okay panic is is not fair you know, <laughs> Brian, how about you? Yeah, I, th I think mine is definitely in the the, the fears and the, the losing the business category. You know, the seat that I've sat in for so long is, you know, I treat it as a math seat that we're doing math problems and we're trying to solve a, you know, a, an equation, but that's not it. And and certainly I'm, I'm, I'm great with our clients and, and, and can deliver, but there's a lot of self-talk that has to go into it and it's not the first instinct. And I just want to work with that because none of what we do is going to work if we're not you know, incredibly, you know, radically to, to kind of steal the term client focus. They've got to be happy and we've got to engage in that way. And, and, and that's absolutely for me what it is. So it's not, it's not a process anymore that it's natural. Well, one thing that you said triggered um, the thought that in this space, what is right today 
may be wrong tomorrow as best practice really is should be about better practice right like jason slagle what he was saying 10 years ago if he preached the same security stance from 10 <laughs> years ago today would be like oh my like can i extract that from all of youtube like did i say that 10 years ago because today <laughs> that wouldn't pass right and so i just one of the books i just read talks about like you're a whole new body every 10 years type of thing and so this space humbles you in that regard because you never get to just stand on your um principle in that it is always going to be right because in fact a new threat actor is going to be able to find a new way in around that and you're going to have to do something to work on that so i think what what you said there brian kind of triggered that for me in terms of the way you work and i also read you know it's not it really shouldn't be maybe they shouldn't be called best practices but better practices because we really do always need to rethink etc um so I so I enjoy these chats. I could I literally could talk these books all day long. Um, and because of that, we want to pick our next book for October 27th. So I'm going to put in the chat. Um, and I think Simon's got it on the banner. And yeah, Phil's got it up. Yep. So Phil, great. All the humans, the support, <laughs> network, the amazing people that are making this happen. So we can just sit and chat. Um, so if so, if folks are watching, would love to um we're gonna we're gonna chit chat for three more minutes while people uh take this poll and then um so you can do one of two things you can vote on one of the five uh books that we had preceded from a spreadsheet that we'd started earlier or you can add your own and then ray my question for you is is someone able to look at the tallies on the back end so we can state yep. the book for yeah, next absolutely. Time? uh okay. phil's got that whenever you're ready we can uh we can get that if you want to give a few minutes. Um, what about, uh, whatchamacallit, um, what about you guys? So what books have you uh, added to or wanted to add to this list? Because I know that list right now is not all the stuff we want to have. Oh, no, not all. I just figured I'd start with the ones that I had heard, you know, quite yeah. on the list. Yeah. What is everybody else reading that they like? I'm Brian. doing Who, A Method for Hiring uh, by Patrick Lawler. Um, I, you know, as a company, well, my companies um, all have very strong culture and I do that on purpose. Um, and the bigger you get, the harder it is to keep that culture. Um, and it's not so much of a, we all look the same, talk the same kind of thing. It's more about we have similar uh, priorities um, and we have similar beliefs in how to, uh, how to have effect uh, good customer experience or service delivery or whatever it is. Um, so I'm always on the search for a ways to motivate and uh, keep my employees, but also how to hire great employees. Um, yeah, the culture code drive uh, excellent uh, recommendations too. So yeah. Jason, you just held up crush it wasn't? Yeah, crush it's good. Gary Vandershuk. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I couldn't see who the author was. Now I absolutely know. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Lisa put in the 5 a.m. club. Own your morning, elevate your life. I'm a yeah. member of the 5 a.m. club. I know oh, yeah. Nah, I can't. <laughs> I, I'll get there someday. The problem is you can't be a member of both the 5 a.m. club and the 1 a.m. club. <laughs> I, I am. I'm not recommending it, but I, yeah. No, yeah. I definitely am. Yeah, uh, but your Ben loves that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No comment on that one. Um, but Talentpreneurship for anybody that hasn't picked it up yet is good. Sonny's book, Talentpreneurship, or however it's pronounced, is is great. Uh, storytelling and, and lots of good actionable stuff in there. 
and his Funny, personal from, uh, story. IT by design. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. His personal story behind that is super interesting, and how he kind of met people along the way, and really did. Uh, and I'm also intrigued by um, like their their life by design plan that they have in their company. So yeah, I I, I enjoyed that too. And not to like give it away, but I mean, I get goosebumps even thinking about his experience immigrating and then hosting an event on Liberty Island with all yeah. of the people that he's done this great work with. I mean, yeah. that's incredible. You know? Yeah, I, I got goosebumps when I read that part too. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. All right. So you ready for the answer? Yeah. What do we have? Yeah. Drum roll, please. We have uh, Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek is our okay. top answer. Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. So that's what we're going to aim for for October 27th. Yep. I have a copy right there. My daughter read it in college and recommended it to me. So I'm good on that. Yeah, I have it in my Audible book already. So <laughs> good to go. We're all and we're primed doing... and ready to roll then. Yep. So we're doing the full book uh, before October 27th next year, correct? Yeah. Yep. We'll do that one in full. See how See how that goes. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm super glad everybody joined. Thank you yes. so much. And um, yeah, we'll get to Leaders Eating Last next. Awesome. Thank you so much, nice. everybody. We appreciate you. Can't wait to see you next time. Yep. Phil, Have you out. been a broadcast of the MSP Media Network.